56 game sprint to the finish line is officially underway. The Leafs are one and zero in uh, true leafy fashion. It was an emotional roller coaster ride to get to one and zero. Um, a five four win, I should say, over the Montreal Canadiens in overtime. Are we overreacting, or are we just like, hey, first game of the season? There were some positives, there were some negatives. We're just gonna roll with it, or is it like that game was way too close? No, I think to overreact game one is just, that'd be, we would just be doing ourselves a disservice. Like it's, it's the beginning of the season where we are with this league, with this world, with this pandemic, with how this season's going with the Canadian division. I think a W is a W at this point. And if I'm sure if you go around, you look at the scores around all the first games of this beginning of the season, they're, they're not going to be pretty. There's going to be bad goaltending. There's going to be defensive breakdowns. There's going to be a lack of chemistry between lines. I just think for this team tonight where there was many points where we were watching being like, this is they're going on one. So the fact that they got into overtime and then got the W I'll take it for this hockey club because they need the confidence to, to, to get off a good start in this division. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do positives and negatives because I don't, the first positive obviously is William Nylander. Best leaf on the ice tonight. Yeah, he was. There's no doubt about it. Just uh, getting off to a start like that, that's going to do a lot for that guy's confidence. And I hope he he keeps it going so he can shut my mouth and shut all his haters up because he played a hell of a hockey game tonight. Let's um, let's keep the positive train going because I, I'm going to be honest with you. Listen, I, new year, new buds. I don't want to be negative guy. I want to be positive guy. I loved all the moves they made in the offseason. I was just stoked out of my mind all day long for this game tonight. But I'm going to be honest with you. Like After sitting through that game, I'm kind of sitting here, and the only things that are sticking out in my mind are negatives. So before we go there, let's talk a little more about positive so we've said Nylander what's your next biggest positive I thought that line of Tavares Nylander and VC were, were pretty effective tonight I, I actually had low expectations with them coming in because it's kind of like there's Marner and Matthews on the top and then you got the grinder line the third line so like it was just if this team is could perform like a top second line in this league and that that's that's all you could ask for so the amount of points that they all chipped in tonight to win this hockey game. That's a big positive for me. Wayne Simmons dropping the gloves, even though it wasn't much of a fight. It was a three punch. That's it. But that Ass was all whooping. Yeah. That was also a, a, a positive for me yes. as well. Yes. Um, I'm going to say I, I thought the Riley Brody defense pair was pretty good. I thought the defense overall, aside from uh, a couple brutal penalties from Zach Bogosian. I thought the defense overall was pretty good. Yeah. It was kind of a weird night. Like there was a bunch of guys who they had, they had some good plays. They had some bad plays. Um, a high scoring game is something we're accustomed to with this hockey team. So I, I didn't really, I, it was hard to pick a certain guy out where I was like, this guy's awful tonight because it's kind of unfair to yeah. go after a guy night one as much as no we love. Games, so. Yeah. We love to rag on guys and pick a, pick a goat out that we like to, to, to pick on. I, I had a hard time picking out one guy's game and being like, 
He was just awful tonight. It's game one. It's hard to get into the swing of things. The goaltending soft. The systems aren't in place yet. So it was going to be, I didn't expect to come in tonight and have a two, one hockey game. Like it's, it was going to be a high scoring affair. And I'm just happy that this team came out on the right side of it. And they, they had to do what they had to do. They didn't lead all night. And I'm just pumped that they were able to find a way to, to win this hockey game, because that just shows me that they would implode usually in a game like that. So the, my main positive out of the night is they found a way to win the hockey game, ugly or not their Their offensive talent is the best in this division. And you're right. An encouraging thing tonight is there were stretches of that game where they didn't play well. And I will talk about this more in a minute, but there were stretches of that game where I don't, I don't think they played very well. And the offensive talent ended up pulling them out of it and getting them a big W and two power play goals. This team is like, you and I laughed a few years ago when they said uh, our power play is our response. One of the one of the Yikes. one of the quotes that you and I have mocked um, the most on this show, probably. But that is true in the sense that, like, they are a team that you you cannot take a penalty against because their power play with the offensive talent they have is dominant. So I think overall, it's the offensive ability ended up elevating them out of some tough times in that game tonight and lifting them to a win. Yeah. And I don't want to look, uh, we've criticized them for relying too much on their offensive talent, but at least they had it tonight. Like it, they were, might've been down, but at least you knew they had the firepower and the ability to come back and win this hockey game. And there was like, every time they went down, I was like, it's over. Like they're not going to find their way back. And there you are. There's, there's the OT winner. And, they got two points, so it was their offensive talent that did it for them tonight. It's not going to work all year, but I'm just going to stay positive for tonight, and I'm just happy they got the two points out of it. All right, let's uh, let's talk concerns. And granted, everyone, I just want to make it abundantly clear, we're well aware that it's game one. Nobody's overreacting here. However, there were some concerning things that we saw tonight, and for me... It was old habits in the sense of getting boxed out of the middle of the ice, having a really difficult time for long stretches of that game, finding a way to get in the middle on Carey Price and get a quality scoring chance. It's very clear that when opposing teams scout them, that's that's the game plan. Like, you got to box this team, not give up any real estate in the middle of the ice, and they they don't have it's difficult for them to sort of push their way through to the middle to be where they need to be yeah well it just it's getting it's the sense of urgency too like you saw in the third period when Austin Matthews split the D and had that ability to score and he hit the post it's you just saw it on that shift that you just could see it when he hit the ice he had another gear that he had that he could hit and he split the D and he got a scoring opportunity this team just what what they're what I was positive about before was about have them having the scoring ability to get out of anything is also a negative because they're back to the same way they were before. But I'm just happy they didn't implode and totally and actually won the hockey game. But at the end of the day, like I, I wasn't stoked about the second period. Like, yeah, it ended with nicely, the but second, like, yeah, this 
18 minutes of that second period was tough to watch. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. And and just the fact that, I mean, you look at the shots and they were like pretty similar, but the Habs had a couple breakaways, had a couple unreal shots on Freddie. And you look up at the Leafs shot total. It's like they had a couple of good opportunities in the first period. And then the second period, it's like they just, they were again, what you just said, they were boxed out all period. And it's, and you, you just hate to see that they're they're getting outworked again. They're getting outplayed again. You're just like, oh, great. Now they're getting down. And here we go again. But then Wayne Simmons dropping gloves, looks at the bench, says, let's F and go. And there do, you go. Do you believe that that's a momentum shifter? Because there's the debate all day tomorrow between the two sides of the equation. You're going to have the people who are like him dropping the mitts and fighting galvanized the Leaf bench, and they were able to come back and tie the game. And you're going to have the people that were like, no, that's that's not what happened. I mean, it's a pretty subjective thing. Like, personally, I think it does something, especially game one. You went out and got this guy for that reason, yeah. that he has the ability to drop the gloves. Obviously, he can put in a couple goals when he needs to. He's got a great resume, but you went out and got a player like this, and for years, they've been go get Wayne Simmons because of this. And night one, I think it's a momentum shift night one. I mean, if he's dropping the gloves every game to get the team fired up, eventually he'd be like, all right, Wayne, like chill out. But I mean, they were down three, one, they were getting completely outworked, completely outplayed. And then he decided to drop the gloves. And I, I think it made a difference. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it's the, the main reason why they won this hockey game, but you can't tell me that there's no way that didn't make a difference. No, I don't disagree with you. I think when you're on, when you're on the bench and your teammate who just fought the opposing player looks at you and gives you the, like, the, how are you not, how does that not get you up? Man? Yeah, exactly. Like, how does that not be like, all right, I got to go out and make something happen here on the next shift. Yeah. And another negative on tonight too, is right at the end of overtime, I decided to take a swig of my beer and I just spilt it all oh. over my shirt. <laughs> that was another negative tonight. Just a complete Dingling. Just what am I doing? About to go on camera, second episode. I decided to go too aggressive on the swig and it's all over the shirt. That's the worst when that happens. That's another negative for tonight. Yeah. Well, I was doing the whole like before we got on, I was doing like, do I have any uh, uh spicy dill pickle Miss Vicky remnants on my yeah, shirt? Costco exclusive, yeah, that one. Yeah. Well, you gotta get you gotta make your final Costco run before we head to the state of emergency. Yeah, but I'm glad this league is in a state of emergency, yeah. and oh, I'm happy man. that a game one went I through kept, tonight. And... Yeah, I kept thinking about that. I was like, at least we've got like a leaf season to watch during this. Now, if we're all staying home, like at least at least we got a leaf season to watch here. Yeah, and I'm just happy that you know what? Let's just throw this game out the window. It's a one off with the Habs. Now they go into the play a team two times, play a team three times type of schedule. Yeah. And we're really going to delve into this season and we're really going to see maybe lines being thrown in a blender or, or switches on the power play or the penalty kill. It's this is night one. Let's be happy. They got a win. Let's move on. How do you solve the problem of your opponent boxing you out of the middle of the ice? Like, how are they going to solve that? Like, it's a huge problem. It's you saw it the entire Columbus series in the bubble. You saw it for the bulk of last year, and you saw it again tonight. So it's like, it's clearly, these teams watch film, and that's what they see. How, how do you fix that? Is that an effort thing? 
I but that's a tough question to ask because when I'm sure when you're playing and you're a guy on the ice, it's hard to really understand. Like you can have an, uh, an idea of what a team's trying to do against you, but I mean, you're out there for 45 seconds, busting your ass and you're just trying to get the best shift you can and get the puck deep and forward check and get scoring opportunities. But I just think it's, it's just recognizing what they're doing and trying to push to the middle. Like let's stop trying to skate it up past three guys into the ozone and make a pretty pass. Uh, I thought just the second period was, was the worst example of that. Like they just had nothing in the middle of the ice and then they get a little momentum. And then all of a sudden they're, they're in the slot and they're taking shots. I think it's just recognizing when that's happening to you and trying to get to the middle of the ice. You just got to work harder or switch up your game plan. Yeah. So the narrative around this team and all through camp is, has been effort compete. So is that is that a solve? Like this is kind of where I'm going with this. Is it's like, is it like we go on and on about how talented they are offensively? So like, is it is that the problem? Like, it, w- w- your forwards should be better than the Montreal Canadiens defense core. Although we learned tonight, listen, I'm here. The Habs are no joke. Like if if we're gonna sit and say the Leafs should be at the top of this division, the Montreal Canadiens are gonna be right there too, man. They got a big team that is much better than I thought they were. Yeah, and they hang around too. Like they're hanging around. They have a bunch of great talent. They have like their D's pretty good, but I just think the Leafs need to just recognize that they are the most skilled team in the division, and they are a massively offensive juggernaut in this league in general. And say if it was a regular season and they played every team a regular schedule to me it's like if you know what a team's going to do against you that's like an advantage if you figured out the teams are going to box you out then you know you have to fix what you need to fix in order to counteract their game plan so it's just a matter of you almost like hockey in a hockey game it's weird it's it's back and forth it's random but there's just little like five minute segments in the game where it's like the Canadians are dominating. The Leafs are yeah. dominating. So momentum try- shifts are real. Yeah. So you're trying to find a way to like, just cut down on those. And when the Habs are, do have you just try to break those little habits that you have, like shoveling a backhand pass up the boards to nobody and cause a turnover or taking a bad pinch or that one penalty kill they had where Tatar went on the breakaway. Like that was terrible, yeah. overly aggressive, and they should have just hanged back, but instead they were trying to make something happen shorthanded. And it didn't work out for them, and then it was just a brutal breakaway on a on a on a shorthanded opportunity. Like it was, it was awful. They uh, they got themselves in trouble tonight too with some with some dumb penalties. Um, two of which were taken by Zach Bogosian. He was uh, he was taking some heat uh, on on the socials tonight. Um, our fellow. Leafs Nation members, a lot of them not really stoked on what they were watching. Um, your thoughts on that? I I think the first penalty he took with the trip, that was just kind of a, had a stick in the wrong position. But the second one with the holding call, like that was brutal. Yeah. And that's that's the ammunition you need to give the analytics community to <laughs> to, to give everything they have at why they can't stand Zach Bogosian. And it's, that's that's what I was thinking. I was just like, Oh, there it is. There's the ammo that they're looking for. Yeah, but like again, like I don't think they're the people who are against him are are dumb or have, don't have a point. I get it, but just can you take the odd holding call for a guy who can like Austin Matthews went and four check or cross checked a guy right in front of the net. 
When have you ever seen Austin Matthews do that? I loved every second of it. Yeah. So he goes out. He's out front with Sherrod. He cross checks him. And I feel like he can do that because he knows he has Zach Bogosian. He knows he has Wayne Simmons on the bench. And those aren't exactly the, like, they're not the toughest team ever, but he's got some backup. So can you handle the odd holding call or the odd trip for, for Austin Matthews to have the confidence to, to stand up for himself? Like that, that's the option you have to weigh with a, with a player like Bogosian. And personally for me, like I'd way rather their star players feel comfortable to stand up for themselves and I'll deal with the odd yeah. holding call. Yeah. And again, I feel like the, the and listen, I, it, dumb penalties, like no one's arguing that, but like, I feel like the, the community of fans that are, that are so against Zach Bogosian are the same people that don't care about the intangibles that he brings. And it's what you were just saying. It's making his fellow players feel like someone's got their back, but it's also a guy who was on a cup winning team last year. So, you know, like I'm with you. I'm willing to forego like a dumb penalty here and there. Um, but let's everybody just, everybody just relax. It's yeah. one game. Like, Miko Letnin is going to get into the lineup at some point, which means Bogosian is probably coming out. I don't see him playing every game this year. I don't see him being a mainstay in the top six. So everybody just chill. I'm going to transition here. And I want to stay on the concerns topic. Every single time the puck goes anywhere near Freddie Anderson, my heart stops. The fourth Habs goal tonight was another example of, you know, you start the third period and they've got the momentum back. They came back, they tied the game and he just lets in a softy. And it's, 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 it's on brand. I can say that for him, but as, as time goes on, my confidence in him is waning like a lot. Yeah, there was no doubt. I, I'm someone who tries to give the goaltenders the benefit of the doubt every time I can. Like the amount of crap this guy's had to put up with over his tenure here with the just awful defensive course and the terrible systems implemented that allowed him to face 40 shots a game and be pelted. That's why I always have a soft spot for Freddie Anderson, but I'm with you tonight. It, it got at the start. You cut him a break and maybe I should cut him a break too. Cause I said earlier, I don't want to be a hypocrite, but I said earlier that game one, you got to look at the positives and it's hard to step into your first competitive hockey game as a, as a goaltender and just be on top of your game. He's going to let in a softy, but it's the past that haunts us all, all those playoff series and everything. And I'm with you by the end of the game, but every time the Canadians had a shot on net, I was a little nervous hundred percent and that's not good, but I'm just going to have, I'm going to let Freddie work through this and I'm going to let Jack Campbell get an opportunity and see if he can help him out. You know, like it's just, let's not put so much pressure on the goaltender this year. I want to see improved defensive systems. I want to see. It's not that for me though. It's, it's, it's the guy's mental state. Like that's what I'm worried about. It's like, we've been down this road with Freddie before. It's like, are you mentally tough enough? Because his his resume and his history shows that he has lulls in the season and he has stretches of games months at a time. If you look at last year where he's not very good. And to me, it, it makes me question his like 
I don't know. I don't know the guy, so I'm not going to sit here and be like his belief in himself. But it, it does seem like like a confidence thing to me. Like, is is are you when Freddie is zoned in? It's all over his body language. He's big in the net. He's he's there. He, when he makes a shot, he's got the extra little flair with his glove, and he look he looks confident. He looks like he's in the zone, right? And then there's other times where it's like you can see when he's kind of flailing around in his net and he, that he's not feeling 100 percent comfortable. Now. I can't, it cannot be stated enough. First game of the season, no exhibition games. So that, that must be said. However, I've got a little PTSD when it comes to Freddie Anderson. Yeah, we, I got, I get it. I totally get it. I just, I'm going to, let's pretend we're just opposing opinions here. I'm just in the camp of, I'm going to stick behind this guy, whether it's rational or irrational, because I believe that if I was, the coach, the Maple Leafs, I was Sheldon Keefe. I would just be constantly trying to give that guy as much confidence every day that I can. You got a baby goaltenders, in my opinion. And this guy, I he is confidence, 100%. I'm sure everyone out there who's played net at a competitive level or was a goaltender, it's confidence is everything. It's you could go out one night and make 50 saves and be it's unconscious. Like, it's, like, it's like being a pitcher. Yeah, it's it's a very difficult position. I I'd put it right up there with a with a field goal kicker or or being a pitcher or or any position that is like you're a part of a team but you're kind of a solo act at the same time. And I I'm with you. Like tonight I, at the end of the game, I was pretty nervous every shot that went on net. And he does have lulls, and his statistics back that up. But I'm just we have no other choice as a fan base but to believe in this guy. So I've just kind of. I'll rag on other guys, but for some reason, I'm just like irrational about Freddie Anderson. I, I just feel the need to to come to his defense. I, I don't know why. I, I was on the radio yesterday and they asked me about Freddie Anderson. And I said, you know, they, Ryan and I don't um, have differing opinions on very much, but we do. You, your unwavering. I don't share your unwavering belief in, in Freddie Anderson. He makes me makes me really nervous. So I think he's a bad goalie. No, but I just, like I said, his, his mental state makes me nervous. And these lulls that he's had throughout his career make me really nervous. Yeah. And I, I, what you said about his body language is bang on. Like it, you could just see from his confidence. He's always, they even, even listen to the broadcast, like listen to either, uh, networks broadcast or like, Oh, when Freddie's on, he's, he's silent in the net. Everybody sees it. Yeah. But I just, I'm just at the point now where it's like, this is your goalie and you gotta, you gotta believe in him. You gotta give him all the confidence. So I'm just irrational when it comes to him. That's just, that's just me though. So game one's in the books. We're about to embark on this uh, Canadian division. Um, I had a thought the other day that I wanted to run by you because you know, it's like, we're getting pumped for the season. You're watching both sports networks and their highlight shows and whatever you and I have been pretty, um, forthcoming on this podcast since we started it about you know we we're leaf fans and we pay attention to the leafs and yes we we watch the league and we have a, like a little take on each and every team in their situation but like don't ask us for like in-depth analysis when it comes to the washington capitals right so that might change for me a bit this year in the sense like in the context of this division because this year, more than any other year, the fact that it's a shortened schedule, 
I'm going to care about what's going on in the division a lot more. Like if I'm sitting on a, on a Tuesday night and the Leafs aren't playing and I see that uh, the Jets are playing the Flames, I might watch that. There's There's ramifications to the Leafs in their season. So that's another element about this. And because it's the season is so short, it's it's interesting. That game matters. Like the standings watching, usually when you start, like in, in a typical 82 game season, when you start to look at the standings, like Christmas, like really start to like watch, unless they start the year off and go on an epic losing streak yeah, out yeah. of it by like November. Yeah. If you're like, on a Raptors two and eight right yes, now, then yeah. I'd be a little, I'd be a little worried, yes. but if you're just a 500 middling team or, or a little above 500, then yeah, you, you usually wait a bit before the standings really matter. And in the past, it's like, I'm not like I watch their like normal divi- division, but I, I really only watch Boston and Tampa. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, those are the only two teams I pay attention to, but this year, like, I think it's going to be a little different. And I'm excited for that. Like, I'm really, really stoked on the uniqueness of this whole thing. Yeah, I thought tonight had a unique... I agree. I thought tonight had a unique feeling. I thought that, like, you lose tonight, and it's like, this is your own one. Really, it's not that big of a deal. Overreaction over the first game. But it is a big deal in a shortened season. And so I think it's going to be an extremely competitive division as well. I don't think there's one team. Like, I guess the Sens are the one team where you're like, hey, they're kind of out of it. But other than that, I think all the other teams are pretty, like, pretty close and in competitive level and where they're going to be in the standings. So, you know what, though? The Sens, the Sens are actually kind of dangerous because they, there's no expectations on them. Yeah. Like, they are the spoiler. The great like, unis, too. Yeah. Like, they are the spoiler. And, and listen, they made some good upgrades this offseason. They brought Matt Murray in that helped improve their goaltending. But, like, yeah, like the Sens are a team where it's like, what are they worried about? I'm just a big fan of the unis. Yeah, that when are when are we gonna get our first look at like when's the one of these teams gonna rock the reverse retro for the first time? And can you wear yours and the other team can't wear theirs? I'm unclear, or do you both or is it like a reverse retro night? And they both have to wear like those unis. Color rush, yeah, NFL. Color rush, yes. Yeah. Thursday night football, yeah. color rush. Um, I hope soon. Yeah, I hope soon. Yeah, we got to get into the lines. We got to give a quick grade for all new leaf lines tonight. Okay. So, so we'll start off with the top. Yes. What was your reaction? What was your opinion on that heavily talked about front top line? Uh, I thought they I thought they were good. Um, my prediction that I made on our last episode ended up happening where there were certain shifts where Jumbo wasn't out there and Hyman was. I think you're going to see that here and there throughout the entire season. Um, I, I am the classic example of someone who holds Mitch Marner's contract against him. I'll admit it. I'll come clean. I'll come clean to everyone watching right now. I am that guy. The way that I watch him and the judgmental nature with which I watch him changed as soon as he signed that deal. And he had a nice assist tonight on the Tavares goal. But there there were moments again tonight where I'm just I'm just frustrated watching him kind of skate up and down his wing and try and make some sort of pretty pass that goes nowhere. It's like, dude, drive to the net. Like just 
Come on. Say Mitch Marner was making five million per right now. What would your opinion? I'm I'm I'll, I'm coming clean. I'm admitting to the world right so now. So is it yeah. just that extra dough? The extra yeah, expectations? The yeah, the expectations are that you're better than you have been. Yeah, I, well, you expect. I just expect so much from him because he's just a damn good hockey yeah, player. Yeah, but he there's there's a gear there. Like, you know how Matthews, and granted, the body types are totally different. Matthews is a way bigger man. His ability to push guys off the puck, like, it's it's easier for him than it is for Mitch Marner. But you know how Matthews can go out there and just shove a guy out of the way and pick the puck? When do you ever see Mitch Marner do something like that? I Never. Even if he did do that, instead of going in and shooting on Carey Price, he'll do some sort of spinorama between the legs pass to somebody that ends up on a Canadiens player's stick and goes the other way. Mitch Marner is one of the few NHL hockey players that would pass on a breakaway. Yeah, I know. And listen, I know there's tons <laughs> of people. Like, I'm putting myself out there right now with this take. I know there's tons of people that are going to be like, oh, my God, this guy's one of, one of these guys. Like, all he cares about is the contract. And so, like, I I know that I'm I'm putting my neck out here with this take, but I just, and maybe I am a bit unfair, maybe I am, but I just, I watch him and I'm just like, come on, dude, like, there's there's another gear to you that we've seen before, but we we didn't see a whole hell of a lot last year, and other than a shift here and a shift there, didn't really see a lot tonight either. Yeah, I I just think. Yeah, the contract's a problem. We we've mulled over the expectations of of contracts and what they need to contribute. But I just know he's got another gear in him as a player. Like, look what he did in junior. Look what he's done in the league when he's really on. I just expect him to be with his skill level. He should be in a hundred point player. Yeah, he should be a guy who who's challenging for the Art Ross every year. I think he's that good. I think he has this scoring ability, and he's definitely got the passing ability. So when he doesn't contribute, it's, it's extremely frustrating. I, I'm with you 100%. I thought that line was okay. I thought it was all right. I thought Matthews had a, had a couple of good shifts, and then he kind of disappeared, and then the, the, the switch turned. I thought Jumbo... Uh, was invisible. I, in my opinion, I thought he was invisible. I didn't, I didn't really see it. What do you expect from him? You know, like it, that's, that's what's so hard about. I said last episode that I like how they started him at the top and they're gonna let him work his way down. But really I was watching him tonight being like, what are my expectations for him? I really haven't figured it out because you brought him in for a veteran presence, a veteran leadership. But I mean, if he can't contribute like, a first line player can, then he's going to have to get moved down eventually. It's another situation where I think he's there largely for the intangibles. And yes, by mid season, do you see Joe Thornton starting games on the first line? No, I yeah, don't. Neither do I. I don't. Yeah. And I didn't think he was awful. I just no, thought he same, was a little bit same. invisible. Yeah, and no, I no. thought Matthews had his shifts. And I thought Marner for the for the large part was a little I, I was left wanting more. So what are we saying? B? Yeah, we'll give him a, a good B. A, B, a, B. a good B. Okay. Um Tavares, Nylander, VC. I'm going A for this line and William Nylander. Like I, I thought Johnny was good. VC got got that line got all the goals tonight. Yeah, like so, they contributed. So, like, I thought Johnny was good, and I didn't think VC was bad. You're either. right. That line did but, get all the goals. Yeah, and I didn't think VC was bad either. But I think like William Nylander picked his line mates up tonight and said, "We're doing this." I, I, you know, everybody, 
listening to this podcast, you know how I feel about number 88, okay? I've had my problems with him in the past. I've dragged on him. I've ragged him. I've judged him on his contract, on his play, and what he does shift by shift. But tonight, one thing I will say about 88 is he was by far the most relaxed guy on the ice. I thought the way he played tonight, everyone kind of had that frantic first game of the season type of motion, but I thought he played with just a unbelievable calmness and just poise with the puck all night. I thought he was just phenomenal. And that's again, a guy who has the talent to do something like that. And I'm just happy that he got off to such a good start because that's another guy who also is going to need confidence to play at the best of his ability, like every player, but especially with players who are a little more, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to word this, but he's goal scorers need confidence. We we should, we should correct and say that line got all the goals in regulation. Because yeah, it's true. Riley, you know, you know that there was somebody watching that's like, hey, 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 Riley got the overtime goal. Yeah, but Johnny set it up. Look at these idiots. Yeah, whatever. Look at these idiots. Hey, do you even watch the game? Johnny set it up. Yeah. That counts. So that line gets an A. Okay. <laughs> the line that I think you and I discussed most watching the game tonight. Kerfoot, Mikheyev, Hyman. Do you want to go first or do you want to? I'll let you go. I'll let you. I'll let you start it off. I like that line defensively, and I think they are a good shutdown line. But if you're looking to that line to go out and score you a goal, you're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah, I thought the. I, I was not. I didn't see them get too many great offensive opportunities tonight. Zach Hyman, best board player in the league, arguably. Like it get. Good luck taking the puck off that guy. I thought Mikheyev actually had the most chances out of the three. I've, I saw him have two or three chances, and then 15 was... I I There's another guy who, like, I'm still kind of lukewarm on. Like, there's games I watch him, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? He's he's a good, good third-line center. And then there's other games I watch him where I'm like, Man, we traded Nazem Kadri for this guy? And like last night was, I mean, tonight rather was not necessarily one of those games. Like I didn't look, I wasn't watching tonight, like sitting there going, oh my God. But yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a roller coaster ride watching him. Like it's literally my, my opinion on him changes every night. Yeah. He's an interesting hockey player. I, I mean, he plays the PK he plays on the third line. He's a, he's a he's just a guy. Like you said that to me tonight when we were watching the game. You said that he's just a guy sometimes, and I don't want to like personally attack. He's a damn good. He's a good hockey player, but he is just a guy. And I think that line you're gonna they're gonna have to contribute offensively at some point. I know there are tons of speed. Four checking's great, but I, I will say in the future going forward that they're going to have to contribute offensively if this team's going to be successful in the long run. Yeah, no, I am. I don't disagree with you. Okay. Fourth line. I liked the fourth line. I thought they played well. I I, I have no complaints line. Like your, your expectations for the fourth line is to get the energy going. Simmons did his job. Um, by going out and dropping the mitts. Spezza had a couple I, opportunities. I, I just love Jason Spezza. I just love him. Like, I love what he brings to the team. I love that. He, I think he's in the absolute perfect role. I love that he's making 700 grand. Like, I just yeah. I just love Jason Spezza, man. Yeah, he's had a couple good opportunities. And Barbanoff or... 
I'm going to butcher his name all year. Barabanov. Barabanov. I'm sure even that's wrong. I had a good block shot. A couple good forward-checking shifts. Thought he was pretty decent. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up this week, buddy. Um, if you like the show and you like what you see, see, look at this. I don't like, we're still getting, remember last week when we ended last week's show and I was like, you're going to have to get used to us to the thing. I literally just pointed at this camera yet. This is the one that's on. That's all right. Yeah. We'll get it. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to bear with us. Yeah. With the, yeah. With the camera. Maybe I won't, maybe I won't spill with on my shirt next time. I'm a complete yeah. idiot. Well, me, it's like, I'm, I'm constantly like, everyone is probably like, is this guy's back. Okay. Like I'm constantly sitting here like, well, you got the stool. I'm all comfy in like the office chair over here. I got the dead on shot. You got the. the I sit, like, had a, what about this? Yeah, you got the pivoting at shot. Yeah. yeah, I've got the I've got the side profile. Yeah, you got to turn one way, turn the other way. You got too many cameras to look at. I got to worry about one, two. I'm good. You got you got to rotate here. Um, so I'm thinking our next episode will be next Tuesday night after the very first game against Connor McDavid. Are you feeling about that? That's that's the number that's one team. I'm. That's big. There, there's no other team in this division that boils my blood yeah. more than that team big. and that fan base. Yeah. So I'll be taking on Oilers fans. I'll be throwing them all over the top rope all weekend long until that game, and I'm I'm pretty excited about that one. Thanks everyone for uh, got the right camera on this time. Thanks everyone for uh, checking us out this week. If you like the show and you want to interact with us further, head to our Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast. And if I could steal a line from Pat McAfee, if you hated this show, just pretend like you never watched it and see you later. Um, catch you guys next week. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. This is Charles Adler. After a few years of working on radio and television, the Charles Adler Show has evolved to a natural place in 2023. YouTube, podcast, and open RSS. You'll hear the show as it always has been delivered, concise, with context, clarity, and empathy. And as a bonus, the guests will be natural-born storytellers who won't fear telling stories that are personal and emotional. They won't fear uncomfortable questions. Most important, they won't fear me. Follow me on Twitter at Charles Antler and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts.